Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. And we came up with the determination that it is like the Howard Stern show for women. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. Hope everybody's doing well. We're going to talk about the OSFA relationship, ASFA. One size fits all. It's a phrase that I coined years ago. Why do I say this? There are some people that literally go from one relationship to the next using the same technique, same pattern of behavior, same approaches, and they think for some reason that that's going to work with everyone. And these people will actually be in a turnstile of frustration because they think, why isn't it working? Because they don't realize they have to start acknowledging the differences in people and the different approaches and the way they have to communicate with them, the way they have to be considerate of their feelings the diversity. These are usually results-oriented people. In other words, I pay my money, I expect a result from me paying my money. It's just like if they went into the movies. They pay their money and expect to see the movie. So if there's any obstruction or any other thing, they can't process any other way of getting around it. Like, for instance, We'll say the projector messed up. And they say, well, you know, what we're going to have to do is uh, we're going to have to cancel the movie for today and give you a voucher where you can come back later. No, I want to see the movie today. I've allocated time for today only. These individuals make no exceptions. They have no excuses because they look at everything else as an excuse. Even when it's a valid reason for something not to happen. They look at it as an excuse. These are the very people that will get on a plane even though it's just come back out of maintenance because they forgot to do something. Because their agenda to get somewhere on time is far more important than their own lives in some cases. And this is where you run into problems with people like this when it comes to dating. These are the people that will go through 
And if someone shows them attention, that's validation. And as they see it, that relationship could be as dysfunctional as hell. They're going to still remain in it. Because to them, the state of normalcy is not being rejected, told, told no, or being inconvenienced. See, that's the priority for them. It's the avoidance of rejection, the avoidance of being told no. And so they have the mindset of one size fits all. Asla. So they go forward. And if someone is unacceptable to them, they, of course, make it that person's fault. They're the worst thing that's ever existed. As far as they see it, there are no excuses on their side of the equation. But there are excuses for everyone else. If this person is sick and can't go to work, they're legitimately sick as they see it. However, anyone else that calls in sick, they view them with suspicion. Skepticism. Because they believe their own narrative. These people are very difficult to get along with in relationships. And the reason for this, with this narrative that they have, Things has to go according to it. And if they don't, then they will literally try to work on their partner to fill in the blanks. Some of you have experienced this in relationships with people where they wanted you to confess to something you didn't do. Have you ever had to face that one before? Or they want you to attest to something. I see the margin is very short. So, take for instance, they may have some sort of anxiety disorder. And that means that they have to be doing something. And take for instance, they're cleaning. I mean, just cleaning, just just going crazy cleaning. And they have to find a flaw in you in some capacity. See, usually these people have to have a foil of some type. They have to have some sort of uh, discrepancy. And it's usually not themselves. It's got to be someone else. I see, as long as they can do that, they can function. They don't want the criticism to point back at them so much because that means they may have to take an inventory of themselves and they don't want to do that. It's much easier pointing the finger at other people. Now, there's no set uh, group of characteristics or behavior with individuals like this. It varies. But there are a few things that are usually kind of uh, coincidental with this. One, they don't like taking the blame for anything. Someone else is always going to be less than they are. That's one thing to keep in mind with people with this mindset. One size 
fits all. They feel as though if you don't comport yourself to the way they presented themselves, you're the person that's in the wrong. It's your fault. They're quick to point that out. They're quick to judge. And they're quick to remind you of things that were setbacks in your life. Things where you have failed at in your life. And this is one of the reasons why most people are very skeptical about sharing things, about opening up on their feelings. Because there are a lot of people like these individuals that will weaponize those feelings against them later on in the relationship. For the most part, these aren't good people when it comes down to their intentions. When it comes down to their humanity, they could be great individuals. And these people are much different from being in a relationship with them than they are being friends with them. Because generically as friends, oh, they're great people to get along with. When it comes to a relationship, they treat people differently. Now, this is the reason why a lot of them do not date friends. They don't want to develop relationships with friends on a personal level or an intimate level because there's a whole different side of them that they don't want that friend to see. They may get back to the other people. Now, there's another thing to consider as well with this. These individuals are very impatient. Because, see, they have a routine that's already set up a one-size-fits-all mindset. They feel as though you should comport yourself based on the premise of the way they've set things up in their own head. See, the only routine that I really want you to really consider is just remember the four category of questions. And even with that, what do I tell you? Alter those questions based on the personality of the person. They don't have to be the four, they don't have to be four generic questions. You can do it any way you want. See, the problem with a person this one size fits all what are they going to do an ASFA person is going to sit there and use the same thing over and over generically as they see it there's nothing wrong because they viewed it a certain way that's the way it has to be they never take on the view of the person they're communicating with it's only theirs. They're very centric in that regard. We're going to talk more in a moment. Hi, everyone. Jocelyn with you here. Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. I hope everyone's doing well. All right, folks. We got a lot to cover today. Now, one thing I want you to also understand here folks um, when it comes down to these uh, demographics as far as uh, Gen X Gen Y Gen Z boomers keep in mind one thing there's some themes that run through all these uh, different demos and one thing is 
authentic authenticity authentic authenticity is a big thing for many of them and so that's like a universal characteristic the other except for the gen z is slow dating that is very very popular as well now what we're going to talk about today are those folks 35 to 44 yes you folks are on that gen x gen y cusp that means you're 35 to 44 years of age so some of you were born back in 1979 and that's on the high end of the gen x well it's really on the low end of the gen x spectrum but on the high end of gen y going all the way down to 35 under gen y okay now a couple of things self-desire big thing for these folks they want to be fulfilled have their fantasies fulfilled some of their dreams and they're willing to take risk in order to have that done now another thing too to keep in mind with these particular individuals they're done apologizing and saying they're sorry for a lot of stuff sorry grandma sorry mom didn't mean to offend you they're the cutting edge when it comes down to that generation that's going to be comfortable you see in my generation the boomer generation and the generation before it the silent generation and all the rest behind it you had to more or less be very contrite you had to kind of conceal your emotions conceal your feelings be humbled sometimes to a fault and the latter part of our generation the last of the baby boomers born in the 60s and going forward they were the people to initially say fuck that and it gained momentum throughout the lower generations and now that's the reason why gen z's are going to get their point across regardless now gen y's in the uh crossovers between X and Y, they're at that point also. They're a little bit more um, boisterous than a true Gen Xer would be. Because the true Gen Xer is still heaped in the tradition on a lot of things. These are folks that are still saying stuff like, OJ did it. These are people that are still going around talking about the way things used to be in 1972 because that's when many of them actually started, uh, you know, putting their feet down as far as their age. And it's funny to hear them when I can go back to the 60s and they're talking about the 70s. At least you guys had color TV in the 70s. At least you guys weren't stuck with the Ed Sullivan show. You guys had Midnight Special with Wolfman Jack. Shit, we were still dealing with getting rid of Jack Parr. Had Steve Allen on there. George Burns, Milton Burrow. 
Dean Martin, acting like he's drunk on Roy and Martin laughing. See, there was a lot of things back then. Totally different thing. Drunk driving was one of those problems that nobody really talked about. You just was an irresponsible ass until too many people got killed. There was a lot of things you could do back then. And you didn't have all this sensitivity where everybody was getting sick over every goddamn thing that comes out. Somebody sneezed, they just wiped their nose and kept going. Now you gotta have a motherfucking microbe search to find out what's going on. So those are the differences. People didn't care about no damn veganism. <laughs> Hell, half of them used Rex Lord and called it a day. Many of you don't know what Rex Lord was. That was... <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Yeah, the clock yarders. So, we're living about what? Statistically 10 years longer than we were before. During all of these things, because most of the people died in their 50s and 60s. Now they're stretching out to the 70s and 80s, some cases 90s. But what I'm saying is that, in a way, I wouldn't mind living to 100 or 90, but what would my quality of life be? I wouldn't want to be one of those people that can barely know that I'm alive and shitting on myself 24 seven. To me, that's not living. That's existing. And then you may be doing it for somebody else's benefit more so than your own, your family, your friends. But let's get to the topic, folks, shall we? All right. Now, with this demographic, they're very respectful of elders still. They're just like the Gen Xers, very respectful of elders. The Gen Y, for the most part, are that way, but they're way with uh, stipulations. They're not like the other generations that whatever mama and daddy said, grandma, dad, grandma, grandma and granddaddy said went, no ifs, ands, and buts. These kids are going to question it because if it doesn't make any sense, they're going to call it for what it is. And they're going to let you know it's bullshit. Yeah, maybe tradition, but that's bullshit. because they want you to understand that it stops there. And that also involves with um, them rearing their children. You come in with some hobnob bullshit from the past and it's not true, uh, yeah, this kind of parent is gonna call you on it. Grandfolks, grandparents, <laughs> grandfolks, I love it. Now, authentic authenticity, as I told you, is a big thing with them. This means, guys, those lies that you would tell women in order to impress them about the job you had, the company you owned, and all this shit, you don't have to do that no more with these women. They're not down for that. They're down to let you know that their feet hurt or whatever. You see, these women, after they get to know you, oh, they'll tell you a lot of personal things about themselves after they're comfortable with you. 
they're not going to be like this thing of the past where you had these relationships where women, even though they were with you and your girlfriend or your wife, they still had this like a chasm between the two of you. And you didn't talk about certain things, certain subjects and that kind of thing. No, this woman's going to talk to you about certain things pertaining to her. She may be sitting in the bed with you one night and you guys may be watching television and she might say, honey, you know something? The next time we have sex, I need for you to suck my breast more. Honey, do you like when I go down on you? What do I need to do? These kind of conversations, these awkward ass conversations, this generation will bring them forth because they're concerned more about the integrity of the relationship lasting. And they're not gonna let it go like a, an implied type of uh, situation like that has been done in the past. In the past, nobody said anything, they just did shit. Communication and consideration in this generation will be very, very vital and important. Now, the other thing that we have to realize here is that these folks are going to be looking to be far more cautious about situations they involve themselves in. They're not just going to willy-nilly move in with the guy at this stage of the game. They can't afford to because they can't afford to fail at this point. Women in this demographic, 35 to 44, the stakes are too high. Some of them have gotten their credit together finally. Some of them have gotten themselves positioned on the job where they want to be. Some of them have their children where they're getting ready to graduate from high school in a few years. The last thing they want is an apocalyptic fuck up at this point. And you'll find that some women in this age range will actually volunteer to stay single if they have teenage children. Because they want to get the kids out of the house so they have a better choice than man. Some of them think this way. And what does that mean? That means that if they have those kids out of the house and they're grown and gone, she has a better opportunity to select a better caliber of man. Which means that she doesn't have to settle for a guy that may not be close to what she wants because she has the burden of having children at home and he looks at it from the standpoint they're an encumbrance and not have to work around. This is the reason why as you get older, folks, when you start running across, when you get into your 50s and 60s and you start running across people that are perpetually single, never been married, are those who have been divorced a long time ago, like myself, divorced in 1990. What you will find is that many of these people have kind of uh, formed their own habits and ways of doing things in life. And it's going to be very difficult sometimes in order to adjust or for them to modify those habits because that's the way they are. And some like hanging out for a long time. Hell, I know I did. I was out there on a dating scene for 30 plus years. 
And it was fun. I enjoyed having a lot of fun. Going different places, doing different things, meeting different women. And understanding that vaginas are very, very different. No two are the same. So that was kind of cool. I was a vaginal archaeologist. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> Throughout my research, I got an education. Like, I'll give you an example. In certain regions of the world, especially the Middle East, some parts of Africa, and even Asia. Some women have purple vaginas instead of pink. Purple, yes, I mean purple. And it's pretty interesting, they look cool. So ladies, those of you that have felt ashamed of your purple vagina, I'm standing up for you in acknowledgement to let you know with my hand over my chest and the flag waving in the background in a gentle breeze, that it's okay for you to have a purple vagina in front of all these women of pink. I salute you. I know you folks think that I've lost my mind. I threw it away several times and the fucker still comes back. All right, let's go on. Now, when it comes down, as I said, to Kasha, what they're fearful of, what many of these women are fearful of, is actually feeling. They don't want that at all. Just like most people don't want to feel, but I think it would be more impactful if it happened at this stage of the game in their lives. See, they would have rather failed at an earlier stage in life where they had more time to recover. You know, it's just like with a jet. When you're flying in a jet, the pilot, if he's up about 38,000 feet, he has enough altitude where if something were to happen, he had plenty of space before he would have to hit the ground. So take, for instance, the oxygen system went out on the plane. He could drop down to about 11,000 feet, maybe 10,000 feet, with permission from the air traffic controller and he'll be okay. But let's say something catastrophic happened at 10,000 feet. Doesn't give him much room, does it? Well, see, this is the way they look at it at this stage in life when it comes to caution. They may not have enough room, enough clearance because they don't have the time left to really waste trying to correct problems. So they try to avoid them. Now, life will throw you things and you don't know, you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. You don't know whether you're doing things right or not. None of us do. We assume out of logic and out of best practices that we're doing the right thing, but we don't know. People get scammed all the time that think they're doing the right thing. 
Well, here's the thing that I would tell you. We have to look at the fact that a lot of times, even if we do have a setback, we come up with countermeasures. And being at this stage of the game, the countermeasures are going to be swift. So they're not going to linger as much because the way these women are looking at it, they don't want to go into their 40s or 50s messed up. Because at each stage of the game, whether you're a man or a woman, you got to prepare yourself for the next uh, level of growth. And sometimes you're not in the position that you would like to be in in order to go to that next level. So you may not have the income. You may not have the job, the house that you want to own, or meeting those milestones that you would like to have met. And you have to keep in mind, you still must progress and move on. Time is not going to stop for you and wait and say, okay, well, we'll wait until you get that before we go forward. No. And so what happens then, you have to start dropping things off of your list, making your load a little bit lighter. And this is one of the places where you're going to have that epiphany. And you're going to realize some of the things you cannot do at this point, especially you ladies from 35 to 44. You're going to have some plans for your ass until this point. And a lot of you are going to drop those plans and you're going to simplify your lives a lot more. Many of you are going to run into that reckoning and that reconciliation, self-assessment of yourself because some of you by this time will be in bad relationships or have been in bad relationships. Others of you may be in good relationships and you're trying to retain everything and keep everything going the way it is or make it better. So, in any case, this may be a reckoning point for some of you. Now, another thing we have to look at too. When it comes down to age group appropriateness, you will find some of you will stay within your age group when it comes to dating. Others of you may venture out a little bit more, but the majority, according to the research, stays within the demographic. Women are more likely to stay within their age range as opposed to men when it comes to dating. Now, that of course changes in different areas and different demographics as well, because a lot of women now are venturing out and dating younger men. And many of them are dating younger men of different races. You're starting to see this, especially with Latin women and Caucasian women. And they're not waiting around anymore. They're going for their own fulfillment. Now, why is this happening? A lot of this has to do with, and even from this demographic going upward, because the Gen Z generation kind of opened the floodgates and said, fuck it, we're going to do it this way, Grandma. You can tag along if you want to. This is where we're going with it. I'm not going to listen to your traditions. Your traditions were given to you by your family members, and your family members only had their agenda that they were looking at. They're dead. They're gone. They're in the grave. 
you need to start living at 66, 65, 67. Because I don't want to be like you. That's what these young folks are communicating to some of their elders. Because it's always been the elders told them what to do. And this time around, some of these young people are saying, uh-uh. That's the reason why the Democratic Party, Nancy Pelosi and them, they started to listen. Because OAC and the rest of them were saying, uh-uh, no. Mm-mm, that might have worked in the past. It's not working now. And this is what's happening. They have a voice. The youth has a voice. And they're letting people know. In the past, what we've done, we've demonstrated, we picketed, we did all that shit. What this generation is doing is proactively getting into public office and they're letting you know because they're, they're armed with education where they now can go and try to change the laws. They're bringing on lawsuits and those kind of things. They're being heard, being seen, and also being respected. Remember back in the day, people that was against the Vietnam War, they were called radicals. And society was turned against them. The long hair was filthy and these people were drug addicts and that's all it was. And so what happened? The conservatives did an excellent job of associating long hair and drug use with the left. And then they fused it with homelessness. And since the black folks are aligned with them, let's put them in there too. And so now we have this stereotype. And for many years, we neglected the homeless because we all thought they were drug addicts. We all thought they were hopeless people. And now, what are these Gen Z people telling us? What are Gen Ys telling us? Hey, these people are software engineers. These people are taxpaying citizens that can't afford to sustain themselves anymore. They've humanized people for a change. The other generations never did. What do we always do? We always call them deadbeats, lowlifes. They couldn't pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Symbolic bullshit from the old westerns. I want you to think about the people in the 1940s and 50s still trying to go back to the old west. Why, that was the only time you were really considering yourself as being manly or successful? And we gotta remember, in the 40s and 50s, places like Arizona, the word dude, it was manufactured, it was created for those guys that were suburbanites that went out to these ranches to try to find some sort of masculinity. And they thought that being a cowboy type was masculine. Not to mention that a good percentage of the cowboys, the original cowboys were black, including the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. 
Exactly. So, they were trying to assert their masculinity. You know, the cowboy was the, the equivalent of what the kid thought of in the urban area of the thug being the hardcore guy. The cowboy was the hardcore guy in suburbia at that time. And oh, they had to have the white hat, of course, with the silver star. If you ever watched the movie Blazing Saddles, a lot of people, and it really cracks me up, a lot of liberal whites don't like that movie because they use the N-word in it. But if you really look at the sarcasm associated with it, what do you see? You see something that actually took place in the, in the past. Oh, they would take a black sheriff and put them in a community, put them in a place where they knew his ass was going to get wasted. <laughs> Even when the woman talks about the up yours inward, what did she do? She came back to the window, bought him a pie and apologized and just said that she didn't want anyone else to know that she was speaking to him. I've had that experience myself as a black man. woman tell me one time we could be together we just can't be in public I wish we could be in public I said no you know what we never have a relationship I said we could be friends but a relationship no because you don't have a backbone and that's not going to work because she wanted to play both sides of the fence Now, they're also looking for quality conversations in this demographic. They don't want to hear about no goddamn concerts. They can care less about how much money you make. They're looking for something that's going to enlighten them in such a way that they will find you engaging. Fellas, you got to think about the content of your conversation. Current affairs is cool, but you also need to focus on them. That's the conversation they want to have, the quality conversation. They want you to talk to them about them. And then they want to find out about you. Because see, what she wants to do is, she wants to be reassured that she's made a good decision and the choice she made in you. You don't need to brainwash her at this point. You don't need to convince her. She's already convinced herself. That's the reason why she's with you. What she wants to do is to discover you, to find out more about you. That's what she wants. And she wants you to do the same for her to ask her questions so she can feel as though the interest is mutual. Folks, we're going to talk more in just a moment.
I take issue with you when it comes down to the woman's vagina. How dare you? I'm still trying to wrap my head around this thing you call thank you, pussy. You are disgusting. I need some dick. I need a dick. One that's wide and thick. Not too much for my tongue to lick. I need some dick. The wetness of my pussy tells me it's been too long. Where a man with arms so strong, stroking and stroking this hot pussy all night long. Look at this pussy. Haven't been spread in a while. Let me stick my fingers in it. Oh, it's so juicy and shit. I need some dick. I mean right away. And none of these toys I want to turn on. I want dick. Real dick. The kind with hot cum that keeps fucking back as I beg to stop. He fuck with no slack. I need some dick, cause I need something to ride with a finger in my ass. That fucks me so hard I'll run out of gas. More, more, and more. I wanna scream as I put this pussy on a hot dick. I wanna be fucked so good like I'm paying for this. Ma'am, let me address this by telling you that I am thoroughly honored and really appreciate you to the utmost for being disgusted by me in this show. I really could not have asked for anything more of you because this is exactly what I expected of you. Just to let you know, ma'am, I've been called worse things by better people. So I take this in stride. But now that we're on the subject of being disgusting, you also need to look at the 62% of women that use their right hand, especially the two inner fingers, when they go to pleasure themselves. Oh yes, and about 27% of women who do that actually lick those fingers. So, Am I the only one that's disgusting? Not to mention the other shit that you probably even do, ma'am, that you don't even talk about yourself. See, the one thing you have to realize is before you start throwing rocks and pointing fingers, the first hand you need to do is to yourself because you're the first person. Because naturally, you're only pointing outward because of your feelings about yourself anyway. I don't have a problem with you, ma'am. I don't even know who you are. You left a message on my show. I just checked my messages and your voice was there on the machine. I appreciate you supporting me. I appreciate you listening to the show. And why don't you tell a friend, as a matter of fact, so that uh, we can expand this, uh, you know, situation so we could have a little bit more dialogue. And not only that, I gave you an invitation to come on the show as a guest. And then you could help me promote this show and then also to um, get the word out there. And maybe we could talk about the reason why you think I'm so disgusting and my show is so disgusting. I already know, and I really can give a damn less how disgusted you are, how disgusted anyone is about the show. That's irrelevant to me because it has nothing to do with the mission of the show in the first place. 
Since you're so disgusted, you can go out and make your own. I'll even give you the template to do it. Plain and simple. But if you so desire, you can come on the show. You have the invite. And if you want some dick, you can get that too. Maybe. <laughs> Let me quit kidding you, ma'am. I will give you some time to be on the show. You're not getting any dick. Nope, that's on reserve. Now, let's get to the other things we need to talk about today that's more substance than that. Folks, some of you are dealing with a situation, especially around June, July, especially August, during the summer months, some of you are getting married. And there are some people that should not be invited to the wedding, or you may think shouldn't be invited to the wedding. Now, I was talking to this with a very close confidant last night. And we were talking about the same subject matter. And I was explaining to this person about a friend of mine and the arrangements there were in regards to how things were going to be taken care of. You see, there's some situations where usually the parent wants to make it their event and then maybe the daughter's event. And of course, if the young man's mom is paying for everything, the groom's mom's paying for everything, that person doesn't even have a say. It's whatever the groom's mom wants. That could be kind of bad. Because then they can invite whoever they want to or not invite whoever they want to. Now, I've seen another practice take place where these people are having like these secondary um, venues. So like for instance, they have the wedding and then they have the family members for the reception, reception one. That would include the meals, champagne, and all the rest. And then they would have a like junior or mini reception, communal reception, maybe at the same location or another place. And this would be more or less for a larger swath of the public. This may just consist of maybe some cakes, sheet cakes, uh, something that's kind of inexpensive to put together. Again, a tier system. Now, it depends on how you want to structure it. And see, a lot of people are looking at the fact that per plate at a reception, it's expensive. I looked at once that it's like somewhere around $275 per person in some instances. I've seen it as cheap as $102 per person, and I've seen it as high as $1,750 per person. It depends on your wedding planner and some of the things that you want at the venue. Now, some of these include, you know, live entertainment, that kind of thing as well. But let's be a little bit more realistic about things. What it comes down to It comes down to the situation where 
it all depends on how the family values certain people. Now, this pineapple ice water is good. If it comes down to where mama doesn't really care for your girlfriend much or your fiance, fellas, and she wants to finance the wedding, please understand that mama is going to finance what's going to make mama look good more often than not. So if she wants this girl to stand out like a sapphire diamond, sapphire diamond, just sapphire. She's there to compliment you. That's it. Now, some parents who go half on it, one family goes half, the other family goes half. And there are some families that will delegate the responsibility of who's going to pay for what. And then, of course, you have that one family that just wants to take care of everything because they want it the way they want it. It's their production, and they want that. And then they'll give the other party maybe an anniversary or something like that or some other event. It all depends, folks. But I can tell you one thing. This could lead to a lot of chaos by arguing a lot of unnecessary uh, tension and stress. So you want to have these things resolved. Now, one thing I tell couples when it comes down to getting married and that kind of thing, keep your family out of it. Just make it an event between the two of you. You want to consult your mom maybe about the colors, ladies, that kind of thing. Um, and maybe consult his mother about colors, dress patterns, that but what I'm saying is the gist of it, you want to have control of it, the two of you do. Because the more you involve, the less influence you'll have and the more you're going to raise the level of tension. It's your event. Don't forget that. It's your day, ladies. That one day is your day. Not theirs. And many of them are going to try to make it their day because some of them never had a wedding. And so, vicariously, they say, well, hell, this is my wedding. I'm, I'm going to have my wedding vicariously through my son's wedding or my daughter's wedding. Now, there are going to be people slighted that are not going to be invited. And what you have to remember, let's face it, why do people go to weddings? Just like my happy ass. I go to wedding for cheesecake. I can give a fuck less whether your marriage lasts or not. I'm there for the cheesecake. I'll tell you that in a heartbeat. But here's the thing you got to realize too. There are people that are just coming there to take pictures, to be seen, and to socialize. Those people cost money to be there in your space. This is the reason why communal receptions are becoming a little bit more popular because they're cheaper. They have some light hors d'oeuvres that are easy to make finger sandwiches, maybe some cookies, cake, 
champagne or wine, and I'm talking that moy, the cheap shit. Um, yeah. They don't get the VIP treatment. Only those people that you've chosen to be part of the initial reception. The communal reception is a little bit broader. And that's where you're going to have all the people out there. You have your DJ and they can do the electric slide and all the rest of that shit. Now, I know this sounds cold, but we have to be practical. Now, fellas, you already know. If you meet a woman that wants a ring and a wedding dress and combined, they would cost more than a down payment on a house. You're marrying a fool. I'm telling you now. Ooh, I know that pissed some people off, but I'm telling you the truth, fellas. You're starting out. You're already in debt. God help if you have student loan debt. Car payments. Credit card debt. Ooh, shit. And you guys are talking about saving up for a house. But what you'll do is load up another debt with this wedding and the ring and the event and still not have enough money yet to move into your own house. Don't do no shit like that. Even if it means that you could get into the house first, you could always have the wedding later. Be practical before you're pompous. But we are geared towards results and rewards, right? It's up to you, fellas. It's up to you, ladies, because you're the ones that actually uh, guide us through the relationship. Fellas, it's up to you to make the decision as to yay or nay on the money. So y'all have some decisions to make. So now, when we look at this particular episode, we started out talking about the 35 to 44 demographic, female demographic, Gen Y crossover to Gen X. And we looked at some of the characteristics associated with them. Many of the characteristics are in line with many of the Gen Z and the Gen Y. Not too much has changed with that. It's just an older progression of something that is evolved. Now, here's another thing that we have to also look at too. Fewer women are going to push a man for marriage. More than likely, it's going to be a live-in situation. Friends with benefits, that kind of thing. Now, some will ask for a commitment. And the reason for this is that a lot of people have been traumatized by relationships in the past. And they don't want to go through that experience again because it takes them too long to recover. So they'll say something like, well, what I'll do is void all the formalities, all the obligations, all the commitments, 
and we'll just stick with what we have and play it by ear. They may want the monogamy, but they may not want being accountable. They may not want feeling as though they are under some sort of a watch or under some sort of a requirement to check in and that kind of thing. In other words, they don't want to be responsible or accountable. Now, these relationships are going to have some very fluid rules. In some cases, cheating may not be cheating. So in other words, if they're with someone else, they may redefine cheating if you catch them. Well, you know, I was with this person, but my dick wasn't inside of her, so as far as it's concerned, I wasn't cheating. <laughs> or maybe a situation where, well, we didn't kiss, but yeah, we went out together and we spent the night. Or it may be something like, well, I'm not in love with the person, but we were together. All of this is open to interpretation, and this is where a lot of people, Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z are. Even though you have segments that would like to be a lot more serious about the designation of relationship, a lot of them are very flexible. This part of our modern culture. So you have to get in where you fit in here. There'll be some people that agree with this. There'll be others that will not. So it goes, you know, generation. So this will impact even institutional marriage, meaning that a lot of people aren't going to get married. They're going to have all other kind of unions. There are people now that are buying uh, rings on Amazon and exchanging the rings and then literally saying they're married. And I believe the state of Utah, if I'm correct, you can get married online without even meeting the person. And there are some other states and countries that are like that, which is kind of interesting. Scary, but interesting. Especially if you haven't seen the person before, you don't know what the hell you're married. Or as you know, you could be marrying a damn water buffalo. You don't know. But these are the things that are happening. Now, when we look at wedding, it's just like any other tradition. Women started to wear white because of Queen Victoria in England. She wore a white dress at a wedding, and that was the standard henceforth. Prior to that, women used to wear dresses of all kinds of colors, fabrics, and textures. It comes down to marriages and funerals. Two things to keep in mind. You're paying other people's salaries when you're doing that. You want to celebrate, true enough. But make sure you, you can afford it, because a lot of you can't in these hard times. See, one thing Americans hate, and it's like an affront, and this cost Jimmy Carter his re-election bid. In 76, he got on television and told the American people that they were living beyond their means. He was absolutely right. He said something that needed to be said, because it was true. 
And of course, they didn't like that worth a damn. How dare you talk about me and my credit card balance? How dare you talk about that card that I'm upside down on? Or that house I'm upside down on? Now we're seeing how we've allowed ourselves to get too far ahead of ourselves in many ways. You see, folks, there used to be a savings and loan company. There used to be a thing called the FSLIC, Federal Savings and Loan Insurance Corporation. And what they used to do was ensure that people got their money back on the losses. Because, see, the banks would have a savings and loan, like Home Savings Company was one, Beverly Hills Savings and Loan. What they did basically was they held money for nothing but mortgages. So the mortgage market always had funding. It was always liquid for housing. And it used to be that you had to come up with 20% down and you had to make three times the house payment per month net. Sounds like a hell of a lot. But here's what you didn't have. You didn't have a lot of foreclosures back then. Because more people that could qualify to get into the house could. But we got greedy as we went on over the years. A guy by the name of Charles Keating fucked up the, S, the savings and loan industry for us. And so after that, the banks were like, well, you know, we don't need to set aside money like that. We'll always have capital available. Well, we saw what happened in 2008 with that philosophy, right? So now this is what we're contending with. Tamara writes the following, and she is out of St. Petersburg, Florida. I've been listening to your show for about a year and a half now. I'd really like some of the things you address. I have a question for you, and maybe you can answer this for this 33-year-old Vixen, LOL. I've attached a photo for your enjoyment. This guy has been pushing me for marriage. I've been going out with him now for about a year and a half. I don't call him my boyfriend yet because I'm afraid if I did that, he would just take it to the nth degree. We go out every once in a while. He's very nice, very charming, very handsome. However, comma, she's got a big comma here. The comma is bigger than anything else on the screen. However, there is an issue when it comes down to his living arrangements. He is still living with his ex-wife, renting a room for her, from her in their old residence. Okay. This is not the first time I've heard this happen. Fellas, I don't know what the hell it is with you guys. Uh, with uh, You go and you file for divorce, and then you still live in the same residence as your woman. Now, me and my ex-wife, we divorced uh, the same, we basically divorced the same day. <laughs> and we slept in a bed together the same night. We ate dinner together. And it was kind of cool in a way. 
We weren't mad at each other. But here's the problem, dude. I didn't go out and start dating other women while we were still trying to sort things out, break things up. You literally are at a point now where what you're doing is, is you're trying to date and that doesn't make any sense. So what what's happening here is you're still living with your ex-wife and you're divorced and you're dating this woman and ma'am, if I were you, you need to sidestep this shit because this is a mess. If you get with this man, he is gonna worry the fuck out of you for the rest of your life. Don't do it, don't do it. Because that ex-wife is going to be in your life as well. There's a reason why he hasn't left yet. And that reason could very well be that he's waiting on you to probably help him get another place. So therefore, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So I wish you all the best, my dear, but that would be the best thing that I would uh, definitely recommend for you. All right, let's see what else we have here. Uh, Devin writes the following. Uh, Devin, I'm not going to read your email because you got something in there I can't really podcast. And that is about a case that's pending. We don't do legal stuff here. So, ain't going to happen. Appreciate your effort. Maybe next time. More in a moment, folks. All right, folks, we're back. And we were talking about quality conversations. That was uh, one thing that these women definitely are looking for from 35 to 44 years of age. So, as I say, substance is very important. What you're talking about to them that makes sense on so many levels. So, that, you know, trying to impress them with a lot of BS, it's not gonna work, fellas. They, they've outgrown that. They, they are totally over that. And all things going to do is just uh, frustrate them. Now, a couple of other things that we need to look at here. And uh, that also transpires with this. You know, the mindful uh prompts that they have, the mindfulness prompts that they have on these apps. Um, believe it or not, this demographic had an impact on that. And the only problem with those is that uh, some of these women will actually use those prompts to make a decision as to whether or not they would even date you. And these prompts are like, for instance, uh, you know, they'll have something like, Tell me two truths and a lie or something like that, you know, that you'll have to go and figure out before. It's like a conversation starter. Some of them like doing that. I personally think that uh, these, you know, these uh, prompts, I think that they're really a waste of time. 
I mean, they're okay for the dating site in order to keep people there and interested. But for the most part, as far as actually uh, going forward with any kind of dialogue, I don't know. Because sometimes you get sidetracked on that. And before you know it, you're having a conversation like your friends and it's never going to go anywhere forward than that because of the fact that you may have an issue that you may not agree with that person about. And before you know it, you're stuck on that hill, still fighting that battle. So it's up to you on that as to whether or not you're going to pursue it. Now, another thing that you may have to deal with is um, these people wanting to have solo travel. This is a common thing in this demographic. And you'll see it in a demographic a little bit older as far as the Gen Xers. And in some cases, late boomers. They want to travel. They want to see the world. They want to do all this shit. And a lot of them are doing it at an older age where they really can't enjoy it for the most part as well as they could as a younger person. It's kind of interesting. But nevertheless, and you'll find people with bucket lists in this group as well. Uh, usually the bucket list doesn't start quite this young. They may have it in their mid fifties and up. I personally don't deal with people that have bucket lists because I think it's stupid. Uh, if you live your life according to your needs at the time, you'll figure out to have some time for yourself and put all that other shit on hold because yours should be the most important thing around. But see what happens a lot of times, people will go and put everything before them and then they have that resentment when they go and try to do things for themselves, especially when they find out they can't really, really find some sort of... Uh, satisfaction in their endeavors and it's sad all right let's go on now as we spoke about before age group appropriateness i'm bringing this up again because some of them will date outside of the age group and here's the thing usually women in this uh category specifically if they have been burned by someone in their peers, in their peer group, they will usually go older, usually about five years older with the man. If it was a situation where they were in a relationship where it was more domineering, it's not uncommon for women to go younger so they can have more control and more say in the relationship. Just to let you know this, guys. Is this is an all weather thing? No. Their conditions, it varies with the individual, but usually this is the thinking behind it. Now, the other thing we have to look at here, we've talked about solo travel, and this means that they will go to different destinations, different parts of the world. Some may go and want to do some sort of uh, self-cleansing, uh, self-realization, find themselves, they may want to go forward and uh, relocate to another place for nine months or a year or whatever. And usually it's a reassertion they're going for. And you find some people that never felt as though they were in control of their lives. This is the opportunity for them to have that control, finally. 
Now, the other thing, adventure. They want an adventurous man. They want a guy that's going to go and explore with them and go and do things, snorkeling and whatever. Folks, let me tell you something about this. A lot of people put this in their profile. They don't do half the shit. They probably did it years ago. Can't do it now. But they do that in order to arouse attention. You know, one lady I was, went out on a date with, she told me she was in a mountain climate. We get out there and I meet her for the first time. She's got damn oxygen mask and all the rest of it. There's no way in the fuck she could do any mountain climbing. But it was something in order to try to reassert her fitness and health. Something she would like to do, something she hasn't done. And you run across people like that. Not that I was an avid fan of mountain climbing. I can give a shit. The mountain can stay there as far as I'm concerned until the day I die. I will never touch it. Have no reason to. Mountain doesn't fuck with me. Why do I need to climb it in order to have an identity, in order to have some sort of validation, or to feel like I'm a man because I've done it? You know, it's just like, here's the thing. You hear a lot of people talk about the negative stereotype of the gangster, right? I'm talking about the African-American gangster in the urban area. What we don't look at was the gangster for white men back in the 70s, 60s, 50s. He was the cowboy. And here's the irony. The majority of cowboys were black men. Of course, that wouldn't go well in Hollywood. So John Wayne and the rest of those fellas had to change that up. The Lone Ranger. He was an African-American man that the character was based on. And of course, they had to change that up. So they basically took something, reinvented it for their own purposes. And guess what? They marketed it. Now, let's really think about a few things here. They had dude ranches in places like Arizona. These dude ranches were places where suburbanites, where guys who wanted to assert their manliness, could go and ride a horse for the first time. That's how they got the name dude, because the real cowboys called them that. Because they weren't cowboys. They were wannabes. Half of them didn't know how to wear things properly. But they wanted that identity. And boy, when you had Rawhide and those shows come out, and then when they put money behind Clint Eastwood, everybody loved Clint Eastwood back in the 70s. Even black men were trying to be like Clint Eastwood. Make my day. Callahan? But here's the thing. It gave men an identity. And how many guys went out there and tried to buy the Desert Eagle when they first hit the market? They wanted to be Clint. Shit, I was in the Alamo Theater as a kid. Right there on Ferris Street in Jackson, Mississippi. 
and we were watching a fistful of dollars, and I got my ass in through the back door. And some dude that was drunk got up there in the stand, and he said, don't worry, Clint, I got him, and shot at the screen. People hauled ass out of the theater, too. So what you have to remember, folks, is that when it comes to identity, you're gonna have people out there still trying to seek one in this age range, 35 to 44 in some cases, because they don't know who the hell they are. Like those women that are trying to find themselves and going to all these different countries and doing all these different things and taking all these different religions and all of these different studies, trying to find out who they are, trying to come up with an identity for themselves. And fellas, you're gonna have to watch some of them because some of them may not be a good investment emotionally for you. Because they could be on such a quest to find themselves that you're nothing more than just a fixture on the wall in their lives. They only come back to you later on when they're lonely. And you'll find that many of them, and folks, you'll find this too in dating, in relationships, what you'll find is that that interest in you only intensifies when the person is horny or lonely. You don't hear from them for a while, then dick get hard, vagina gets wet, all of a sudden, they're trying to contact you. That's just the way it goes, it's human nature. And they say, why, why? Tell them that is human nature, why, why? Don't you do it that way? Okay. Now, we talked about adventure. Age-inclusive dating is something that they also like. Now, one thing about women in this category, if they have a friends with benefits relationship with you, fellas, at this stage, she's gonna definitely want to be able to monkey branch to you. Now, as the women get older and want the FWB relationship, you will find that they will want to monkey branch back to you more often. The younger the woman is, the less interest she less interested she's usually into monkey branching back. Just want to get that out there. Now, one thing, let's go back for a moment to what I was talking about, about the dudes and the uh, stereotype with the Clint Eastwood uh, persona, that kind of thing. What I was conveying to you was that even though Clint Eastwood shot up all the other people and wore the white hat and he was the good guy, what did they do with the gangster, the black gangster? If you notice, there were never any good black gangsters, any good black superheroes pretty much in the hood during those black exploitation movies. Superfly. And movies like it. What was the black man supposed to do? He was supposed to be the Robin Hoodnik, right? He was supposed to be Robin Hood. Not necessarily the good moral law-abiding man, but that guy that skirted the law 
and tried to do what was morally just based on his vigilante intentions. You see the difference? You see the difference in value? And what the irony is, many of the black gangsters tried to be like the Italians. And many of the cowboys tried to be like the black cowboys. You see how this shit goes in full circle? People don't like being themselves for the most part. They want to be something else they're not. And we don't really celebrate the fact that we're who we are. We're a bunch of malcontents that have it really good and don't think about how good we do have it. Now let's carry on. Carry on my way, son. All right. Inclusive dating means that she'll be down for different types of relationships. Girl, girl, transgender, whatever. She's down for it in many cases. Now, she's going to be more conservative than a true Gen Y and more conservative than a Gen Z. Now, a couple of things about the Gen Y generation with women. Many of them used anal sex and oral sex in lieu of contraception because it was during the phases where they were coming in with many of these things and they weren't quite there yet. So these women did not have the luxury of having some of the items that the women have now, the 33 forms of, of uh, contraception for women. And that meant that the birth rate went down in certain segments of the Gen Y population. Now, this also means that they're less concerned about age. And they're more concerned about the guy, the guy they're with. That's more important to them than anything else. Now, these are good women. Don't get me wrong, by all accounts, these are good women. And they're not so set in their ways yet. They're flexible, which gives them the advantage, which means that many of these women are sought and are actually acquired by a lot of older men. Once again, what well, you're not dealing with with many of these women. You're not dealing with the age of decadence. They're being who they are. See, decadence is kind of guardian played out. And a lot of folks don't quite realize that yet. A lot of you ladies don't realize, especially older ladies don't realize that yet. And this is the reason why a lot of guys are not really attracted to you. Because if they have this practical woman there that's relating to him on his level and he could relate to her on her level without having to go and put on a show, she's the one that's getting his attention now. And guess what? She doesn't have to be half naked. She doesn't have to talk so provocatively. She could be herself. Now, true enough, she could tell him that she wants some dick. But here's the thing, she has to put forth little effort to get so much out of it. And this makes some women envious. 
why is it that she doesn't have to do this and I have to do that? It's because she's picked up on certain things and she's acting according. As men, we know that we observe that in women. And we don't complain, we enjoy. That's the way it goes. And that's the way it is. Some things will never change, as Bruce Hornsby says. Now, another thing that we have to look at. In Los Angeles, 41% of the homeless are over the age of 50. A high percentage of them are male. Many of them only made $952 a month before they became homeless. $952 a month in Los Angeles. That's barely a car payment. That's not even rent. That's about maybe one-sixth of rent. If you're lucky in a low-income area, maybe one-fourth of rent for a two-bedroom. So, we have a stereotype. Bum-ass men. Oh yeah, you ladies write shit like that all the time over the internet, especially on these dating apps. You don't want no hobosexual. You gotta go there with the sex talk. But yet, you don't want nobody to talk to you about sex. But you call the guy hobosexual. at its finest. Now, here's the thing we got to look at, though. All right, you got this homeless population of men out there. And, of course, the majority of them are black and a good percentage of them are veterans. And we would normally think, stereotypically, that the homeless population in general are people that just couldn't make it in life. They couldn't cope. They didn't have the skill sets. They were drug addicts. They were dope heads. You know, pretty much like the conservatives gave us that. They're far more practical. They don't have that shame like in the past. Oh, I'm not doing that. They're not bougie like that. I have a friend of mine. She's very bougie. And she's mad now because all the guys that are taking her out on dates they're not being chivalrous anymore. And she wants to know why. And I told her that was your mother's generation, not yours. You need to get to yours. Because she wanted the luxury of this man taking care of her all of her life. And the guy's like, are you kidding me? Mm -mm, you got three stomachs. And you supposed to think that I'm gonna put you on a pedestal like that? That's what these guys are thinking. And of course, when I told her that, she didn't quite like it. I told her the truth, just like women would tell me the truth. You, oh hell, you're almost blind. I want to fuck with you. It's not being mean, it's being realistic. But see, what we've done now, we have minced words, where if we say the truth now, it's considered being mean. You're fat. 
Oh, you're fat shaming me. You're ugly. Oh, <laughs> you're aesthetic shaming me. You're musty. Oh, you're odor shaming me. Your dick is too short. Oh, you're dick shaming me. Your vagina is too big and too wet. Oh, you're vaginal shaming. Where does it stop? We could come up with being offended by every goddamn thing under the sun. Oh, your dog is so pretty, but he's so short. Oh, your dog shaming me. You could take this shit in every direction you want to, just like you can these fucking pronouns. I tell you my pronouns, Afro-Hispanasian and billionaire. Totally unrelated, totally delusional. And I have the same validity as anyone else by coming up with a pronoun. Because I believe it and I want everybody else to believe my delusion. You know, it's just like when we had vegan lobster and vegan turkey and vegan chicken and vegan steak and vegan this. Why did you have to put the steak and all the rest of the other names in behind it in order to try to make it enticing for someone to eat? That shit was nasty as fuck. That's the reason why it's not selling. That's the reason why that trend died off. And it's not as popular as it used to be. Plant milk and all that other dumb shit. Plant coffee and all. Man, let me stop. Let me stop. Now, I'm going to address, you know what? I'll wait and do it in the next segment. I'll be back in a minute, folks. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. 
Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.